Welcome to the Functional Fitness Podcast with hosts Dave and Paul. This podcast will cover topics on training, nutrition, and mindset with a sprinkle of interesting guests to motivate and inspire you to live a fitter, healthier, happier lifestyle and have fun doing it. Hello and welcome back to the Functional Fitness Podcast. First off, I'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast so far. We've had almost a thousand plays in our very first week, which we're absolutely blown away by. So thank you for listening. And as always, if you feel any of your friends or family would benefit from listening to this podcast, please share it with them and anyone you like. And don't forget to leave us a review. (coughs) Five stars. This week, Paul and I are joined by Dr. Elizabeth Halstead from treatmysleep.co.uk. Dr. Halstead is a chartered psychologist with the British Psychological Society and is trained in therapeutic sleep treatment. Alongside providing private therapy at at Treat My Sleep, Dr. Halstead is part of the Lifespan Learning and Sleep Laboratory at the University College of London, Institute of Education developing research programs in sleep. Easy for you to say. We really enjoyed this podcast and we hope you do too. As always, leave us a review and let us know what you think. Hi. Hey Liz. Hi. Hey Elizabeth. Hi. Are you okay? That's yeah, correct. good. <laughs> How's things? Things are good. I just had a minor. Um, I just like picked up something and bent my nail back, and I was like, oh, <laughs> just like a minute before all this started, and I was like, oh my god, no. <laughs> so, Perfect sorry. start. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I suppose we'll just kind of start off with kind of your own background and what you've what you've done up until now, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So I started off, um, I did my PhD, which was actually focused on resilience and mental health um, in families with children with disabilities. So what I wanted to look at was what made them resilient, you know, how, what were the factors that contributed to varying mental health in these families and, and how they, you know, managed and, and lived with this big change. Um, so I, I worked on that and then I got quite interested in sleep because I felt that that was a big component of mental health. Um, and yeah, I worked for a company that actually provided telehealth um, therapy. So before it became, before this period, before everything kicked off. Okay, so pretty much like this telehealth, like <laughs> log on online and... Yeah, so they've been, they've been doing it for, for a number of years. So. Um, I started working with them and I uh, was the clinical lead for their, they were developing um, a telehealth platform with, to monitor sleep actually in veterans in the States. So the idea was that we designed this app to kind of track your sleep and, and to use in therapy. So I did all of that and that's sort of how I, how I got, you know, really interested in sleep. Cool. Um, Cool. Very cool. How many years were you studying or what was, what did, what did the PhD years look like the phd years so that was um about four years um in the end and then yeah i started that in 2011 so um that's well nine nine years ago now yeah isn't it yeah seems like yesterday and talk to us then about like um your own business so it's treatmysleep.co.uk is it yeah, treatmysleep.co.uk. So I set that up because I wanted to provide um, therapy. So a lot of people aren't aware that there's therapies for um, sleep, particularly behavioural and cognitive based. So a lot of people go to the GP and they get, you know, um, medication and that medication, doesn't help yeah. them long term. Yeah. So I set that up for for therapy and I also provide consultation work and I do short courses and things like that in you know, sleep management through behavioral techniques now. Okay, cool. So how has like um, COVID-19 or the lockdown affected you or is it online kind of stuff like this you do anyways or? Yeah, so I, I was always online. Um, I did provide some face-to-face work, but um, I mostly provided online, probably from what I learned from my previous job. <laughs> so yeah. um, so I've, it was good in a way because you know I was able to just continue as, as business as usual. Um, but I think it's you know I've noticed a lot more people come in and saying my sleep has now got a lot worse because of these changes and and so you know it's good to good to help. Yes, yes. So what would um what would a normal day or what would a consultation look like for you? Yeah. So um, 
so I do it via by Zoom. So I ask you to sign up and then um, it's essentially a lot of questions to start off with. So there's a lot of aspects to sleep that I need to know to figure out why you're having the problems that you're having. So to start off with, you know, we, you know, I'd like to know what exactly does your sleep look like? What's a typical night for you? What's a typical week? And then we go from there and I'll ask you lots of questions that people don't think are relevant to sleep. Like what are you doing during the day? You know, what are you eating? What are you uh, drinking? Um, what's your exercise like? So I'm looking for things like environmental factors. I'm looking for, you know, genetic factors. Some people just genetically are prone to, to poor sleep. Um, I'm looking for any physical things that might, you know, I might think, oh, you might need to go and get that checked before I can help you. So it's really quite a comprehensive overview. And then at the end of that, I'll make some recommendations for you. Um, yeah. And, and go from there. And is it like a one-off kind of a thing or is there a set program or how does that look? Yeah, so you can come in for a consultation and if I decide, um, you know, yes, I think I can help you with behavioral cognitive work, I'll say, let's go into this um, treatment program. And usually it's about six to eight sessions if people do what I tell them to do, <laughs> which doesn't always happen. Um, no. <laughs> It's, it's quite hard to change your sleep. You know, it's not pleasant. Nobody likes doing it because you do feel more tired, um, you know, during the day when you're shifting your patterns around. So, um, yeah, it's usually about six to eight sessions over, a, you know, two to three months. And I, then I offer follow up with people. So I have some people that, you know, I, I've in theory treated their sleep, their sleep's good, but then they want to come back because they've changed job or something else has happened. They've got a different problem now. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. Sounds amazing. You could definitely help me with my sleep anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting to bed earlier. I went to bed at half 10 last night and I feel like a million dollars this morning. Yeah. I think sometimes that's, that is the uh, trick, isn't it? If you had the opportunity to sleep more and could, would you, would you still have a problem? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's so it's so important, isn't it? Yeah, sleep's so important. Um, yeah, there's so many functions that sleep does. And I think now, you know, people are really starting to understand how important sleep is. And it's crazy to me that this is this thing that has we've all done since the beginning of time. You yeah. know, we all do it. <laughs> and yet we still haven't really figured out exactly why we sleep. But we know that it's really important for things like memory, immune function, you know, all of these different things It you know, it helps your body circulate everything during the day. So it's such a key thing that we need. Um, and yeah, it's fascinating to me that we're not, you know, further along in research or people don't, you know, know how to manage their sleep. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, could you talk to me about kind of sleep and depression i'm just going off a complete whim here like but how how um how important is or how much of a factor is sleep on depression anxiety yeah so it, it's quite it's quite related so if you take depression um you know poor sleep or your sleep changing is is a symptom of depression so a lot of people if they have um a, you know their mood changes they might start to see they're sleeping a lot more they're sleeping in a lot more um for people that have you know very uh, sort of more severe depression like bipolar um sleep is a big factor and their sleep is actually very different um to to sort of typical typical populations or people that might just have a, a mood change so that's it's really important that you look at your sleep when you're looking to um you know, improve your mood with depression. And that can be really difficult. And that's when having extra support can be can be helpful. Um, but you, you kind of have to go against what your body wants to do. Um, and, you know, get get going in the morning and get out and, and exercise and things because you want to sort of improve the hormones and the neurotransmitters which are released from your, your brain to, you know, during the day to, that will help, like, for example, serotonin um you want to be increasing that and things like that so yeah all of that will play into to sleep at night and liz would you be would you be a fan of like those sleep trackers and sleep apps and stuff like that um yes to an extent um i think you have to be mindful that their accuracy 
might not always reflect how you feel so they've got very they all use very specific algorithms that that you know they don't generally release to people um and they track your heart rate and things like that so it depends on the quality of the sensors like at the um you know at the university if we're doing research we use medical grade actigraphy watches which are very you know very accurate but if i was to take you your sleep for a week and say you tell Mm -hmm. me in a sleep diary how you slept and then i took your um you know fitbit or active watch and and looked at the differences there would definitely be differences so some people tell me that they're sleeping much worse than i see on the watches some people tell me they're sleeping much better and that's because it's subjective it's how you feel you could have you could be sleeping solidly for 10 hours but feel rubbish when you wake up which i was only talking to a friend of mine over a cup of coffee this morning about that and he was saying like how he thought he had a good night's sleep, and then he looked at his watch that was tracking, and it said he only got, say, five hours. And he was kind of, he was kind of pissed off, <laughs> and it kind of put him yeah. in a bad mood nearly. Yeah, exactly. You no, know, and I have people come to me that say, my watch says that I'm not sleeping very well. And I said, well, how do you feel when you wake up? Yeah, exactly. And they yeah. say, well, I feel fine. And I was like, well, <laughs> there you <laughs> then go. You're, yeah, <laughs> then you're okay. I'm on the Whoop band. Yeah, the Whoop I band. I found it really good. Yeah, they're quite um, they're quite useful. I have found that they they slightly. Um, some people said it tells me that I'm you know dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not recovering enough. Yeah. Um, Check your heart rate so, to see if it's still beating. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it tells me how many hours I need. It gives you um, a get by, a perform, or a peak um for your next day so you can choose what you want to show up on so i suppose you can kind of structure yourself for me if i had a a football match at the weekend or something like that i could aim to peak on a saturday and and perform up until then so it's pretty cool i like it and it 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 tells me go to bloody bed which is another really good thing to just be like (laughs) it says you need eight hours sleep tonight to perform tomorrow and i'm like and it's, that's like any of the fitness trackers. It's the same when people ask us about Fitbits and stuff like that for um, tracking activity. But for us, like Fitbits are just to get you moving, like recording steps and to have it in your mind that, shit, I need to actually do something here today. I haven't even moved. I only had 2,000 steps. Yeah. No, I think it's really helpful. And, and if, it, if it works for you, like, for example, if you know that you're not getting enough sleep and it tells you, you know, go to bed, that's great because it's sort of, you know, it's leading you in the right direction. I think there's definitely, you know, two types of people that can use these things as sort of, you know, day to day, very helpful, gives you an idea of what you're doing. But I always say to people, just be a bit mindful that, you know, sometimes they're not always fully accurate and if you're starting to pick up that there's something going on it's always worth checking in with somebody um you know if you're starting to get really concerned about your sleep and is there um like would you have like a recommendation for hours you should be getting or is it different strokes for different folks kind of thing yeah so there are um there are guidelines which are um you know throughout go off age basically um, and go off um you know whether you're male or female so that changes throughout your lifespan so generally um adults uh, they recommend between seven and seven and nine hours is is the average which is kind of where that eight hours you know everyone goes okay. off this eight hours thing <clears throat> yeah but realistically it's it very much depends on a lot of factors and you can uh, you know there are people that sleep off do sleep off five hours you know all of us us that don't are always like oh those people that can get away with five hours and just get on with their day but there are they're probably napping all day (laughs) yeah there's some people that just you know they sleep five hours they wake up they're fine and they get on with their day and there are other people that need 10 hours sleep and so you know what i say to people is just work out how much sleep you need because that's going to be your your key and that's how you start working out how you know how to improve your sleep or make sure that you're functioning optimally cool how do we um how do we get better at it then <laughs> better is, at sleep. is it the fact of like setting yourself a routine before you go to bed trying to get there at the same trying to fall asleep or get to sleep at the same time waking up at the same time like how do we actually get better at it 
Yeah, I always start with waking up at the same time because that's that. I think everything else comes from that. If you can get up and wake up at the same time every day, you're starting what we call your circadian rhythm, um, which is you know your 24-hour biological clock basically so everything plays into that if you can start that at the same time every day then that will really help your body get used to knowing when it's supposed to be awakened and when it's supposed to be asleep and um, and from that i would always say then it, uh, you know at night if you're experiencing anxiety like you mentioned before there's a relationship there you know having bedtime sort of a bedtime routine which is you know making sure that you keep your work separate to your bedroom making sure your bedroom is really nice making sure you're not worrying in the bedroom or bringing that kind of anxiety to bed so there's lots of things that you can do you know to help with different problems um but i would always say as a as a basic start with getting up at the same time each day and don't pick up bad habits like napping in the day and things like that <laughs> that, that really puts off um you know your circadian rhythm for, for the evening really yeah and would you going to affect your, your night's sleep if you have a little nap during the day yeah it's again it's all individual some people get away with having a nap in the day um, and then sleep through the night but if somebody comes to me and says i'm not sleeping great at night but they're having a nap during the day well you you're telling your body that you know you want to sleep during the day so it's it's going to take you know you only need a certain amount of sleep over 24 hours so if you're napping during the day and then trying to sleep for eight hours at night you might wake up because your body's saying, well, actually I've, I've had my 24 hours sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you know, you're, you're throwing off your hormones and things during the day and things like that. If you're having a, a little nap during the day. And would you recommend like even on your quote unquote off days, like the weekends to still get up at the same time? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the recommendation. <laughs> I know no one wants to do that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's, what I always say is if you don't have a problem with your sleep or you're perfectly fine, you, you go. So I know people that drink coffee up until bedtime and, you know, and all those sorts of things. So um, it's just if you start to have a problem with your sleep or it's affecting you, like you're waking up, not feeling like you've had a great night's sleep, then yeah. you need to start being a little bit more strict with these things to try and, you know, just tidy everything up. Cool. What about things like coffee then? Because I'd be, I'd be a big coffee drinker, but I wouldn't think it passed <laughs> maybe 12 in the afternoon. Again, is it an individual basis or is there evidence to say you need to stop it by this point or it's going to affect your sleep or what, what does that look like? Yeah, so, so ca caffeine is um, an inhibitor of adenosine, which is the neurotransmitter that I mentioned before that, that, that makes you feel sleepy throughout the day. So it, you know, it sort of um, gets gradually more and more throughout the day. So if you're drinking coffee in the morning, it's going to wake you up because it's going to stop the whole, you know, the neurotransmitter that makes you feel sleepy. So that's, that's the process of, of caffeine. And that's why we say, you know, if try not to, if you're struggling getting to sleep at night, don't drink coffee past a certain point in the day because it will take a while for your body to process it. And that can affect you getting to sleep because again, your body's not like not ready for sleep. Essentially, these things haven't kicked in at the right time. Cool. So I we get a coffee, but just cut it off earlier. <laughs> well, yeah, but again, I know people that drink caffeine and, and things into the night. I know people that go to bed with a cup of tea um, and that's part of their routine. They can't, you know, they feel they can't go to sleep without that. So um, like I say, if it's causing a problem or if you're having a problem getting to sleep, start to look at things that you're doing during the day that might stop you from getting to sleep. Same thing with like energy drinks and these big monster bloody drinks. Same, <laughs> same thing. Anything, anything with the caffeine in will will affect. And the same thing with eating as well. That's why we say don't don't eat a big meal just before you go to bed because your body, as much as it loves sleep, it likes food more. <laughs> so it will prioritize um, digestion over um, over sleep. So that's why that can affect you getting to sleep as well. Okay. Cool. Would, would you recommend a certain cutoff time for people or to stop eating before they're, they're going to bed? Tend to say two to three hours before you want to go to sleep. So um, not, you know, not, not too long, but I think I know some people that just, for example, have coffee, coffee in the morning um, and have their evening meal at six. Um, and I know people that vary those times as well. So it's again, what, what, 
works for you, but generally two to three hours, um, a bit longer for coffee to get out of your system, caffeine. So ease up on the midnight snacking. <laughs> yeah, don't midnight snack. <laughs> <laughs> um, how detrimental then is poor sleep to fat loss? Uh, the majority of our members um, are searching for fat loss and sleep is obviously a huge factor in that. Yeah, so there's two things related to that. Um, one of them is the simple sort of thought that if you're awake for longer, you have more opportunity to eat. So I do have people that um, come to me and they, they wake up in the night and they go to the kitchen and they have a little snack and things like that. And, um, Bernard and it, Paul, is that you? <laughs> not me, not me. <laughs> and um, I think... Yeah, the, the so, so there's that. So, you know, the more that you're awake, the more opportunity you have to, to eat, um, especially if that's your sort of go-to. The other part of that is the hormones that control appetite. So that's um, ghrelin increases your appetite and leptin decreases your appetite, which I'm sure a lot of your members know. But um, as you are more sleep deprived or, you know, getting poor sleep, your ghrelin increases. So that's why you tend to go for sugary snacks and maybe make less healthy choices. Um, and there is actually a process that, um, that can happen. That your, your body releases um, this um, hormone, which kind of is very similar to what's in um, cannabis. So it kind of makes you get the munchies a bit. So, so it is if you don't sleep for a very long period of time, that's why you're going to be going for these sort of sugary snacks. Wow. Yeah. And that then in turn will lead to like overeating and obviously sugary stuff are going to have more calories and less filling and less satiation then. Yeah. And I think if you're aiming towards, um, fat, you know, fat and weight loss, then you want to, you know, you want to be feeling in control with any behavior change of what you're eating and how that's going to impact. And I think if your body's telling you, well, I really want this, it's going to make it harder, isn't it? Because you're going to be, have to be, you know, making those decisions not to do that. So, um, so yeah, there's definitely a relationship there. Cool. What would you say to, um, actually, I don't know, is there an age group thing? Cause it's actually Dave's mom and my mom asked the exact same question about waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to get back to sleep. Is, does that tend to be that age group or is it? Um, yeah, it's, so we do see that. Is that sort of what age group is that? Sort of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I won't <laughs> listen to the podcast. Yeah. Okay, so, so as you get older, <laughs> um, that sorry, mum. Sorry, mum. <laughs> no, that can be an issue because I actually tend to find this in in um, women um, of a certain age, and um, we're still trying to work out. But we know that generally. Um, at night, a lot of um, older adults don't um, don't need as much sleep, and you know maybe it's due with hormones, maybe it's due with uh, lots of other things. And there was a theory that something well, then clearly napping during the day, so they don't need to sleep as much at night. But um, you know these changes to routines, particularly people who are retired. Um, yes, you, you so so essentially, if you don't need as much sleep, but you're used to historically sleeping more at night you can start to have broken sleep which you can see happening so there can be a number of reasons for, for that happening and that's something that if if i was to do a consultation i'd be exploring okay. lots of different things but generally yes it can happen but it it's it is treatable um you essentially want to move the sleep pattern back to okay. a, you know consistently through the night and what kind of tips would you have to say if um, for try like for trying to get back to sleep? I know sometimes mom was on about it take her an hour or two to get back to sleep. Yeah, so I always say the key word there is trying to get back to sleep. Um, that doesn't happen if you try to get back to sleep often. <laughs> it's nothing worse, um, is there? It's nothing worse. Oh, you have to be up in the morning early. Uh, you're lying in bed. You've gone to bed early, and you're like. Should I have to be up at seven o'clock? And you're looking at the wall at one o'clock and you're like, how can I not sleep? I'm trying so hard. Yeah, and, and this is the thing. And I always say, go and ask, you know, one of your friends who sleeps really well, what they do to try to get to sleep. And they'll just say, oh, I don't know. I just go to bed and sleep. Um, so, yeah, so essentially there's, there's a few things that, that, that can happen when, when that happens. But I always say to people, if you're in bed and you're not asleep for more than sort of 10, 15 minutes and you're starting to feel frustrated or irritable, you know, like that thing of clock watching, you actually, the best thing to do is to get out of bed. Um, 
And the reason for that is because you're teaching your body to be awake when you're in bed. And that's not what you want. You want your body to solely associate your um, bed with sleeping, which is why we say, you know, don't, you know, watch Netflix in bed and things like that, because you're sort of (laughs) teaching your body to do other things other than sleep. Um, so get up and get out of bed and you can do a variety of things um, but when you're awake at night but the best thing to do is something that's quite boring for your brain so um, you know don't do anything like I've had people say well I you know start doing work don't do work because you're teaching your brain you know I can work during the night and I have people that would just watch watch series and after a couple of series they start to feel sleepy so then they go back to bed um so I have people that read but only very my mother you know, reads yeah non, non- in the kitchen at four o'clock in the morning reading so you can't sleep yeah and I will say I, I do have some bookworms that I've swapped their books for like coloring books um, because actually they were really enjoying reading in the night. <laughs> yeah, so does my mum, like, she loves reading. It's a bloody hobby. And then she gets up, she can't sleep. And she's like, oh, I'll just go and bloody read. And she might yeah. go to bed at 10 o'clock and read. And she's like, boom, <laughs> asleep straight away. And then at four o'clock, she's back up reading again. Like, Yeah, so these are the things that sort of, yeah, particularly I would work with, with somebody to sort of work out what's going on there. But in general, if you're, if you're awake and in bed for a long period of time, you know, you don't want to be doing that. So it seems counterproductive to get out of bed, but get out of bed until you feel sleepy again and then go back. I have plenty of colouring books I can give her anyway. <laughs> they, honestly, it works a treat. I've, got, I've had many, uh, many people I've worked with who are like, oh, I'm sleeping fine now because the colouring was so boring. It's <laughs> so- <laughs> therapeutic, that colouring, isn't it? Like I've seen them, the, the new colouring books that are out for adults like, yeah, the mindful coloring books. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, they're they're very um, they're, they're well, they're rela- they're relaxing. Yeah. You know, for some people they're enjoyable for more than others. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is your kind of views on um, the blue light blocking glasses? Should we all be wearing these every single night, like? Yeah, so this is a tough one because the evidence, that the actual research studies that have looked at this, the, there's limitations with them. So they've, they've often got quite small sample sizes. So we can't really take this, you know, as, this, as a strong recommendation. It's very much dependent on, you know, your, again, individual factors, like your age, you know, if you're a child versus an adult your tolerance for these things are going to be different so i think that it depends on um the spectral output of the light as well so um if for example your phone is going to be different to the tv and things like that so there's lots of things but essentially you don't need to be wearing light blocking glasses unless you seem to think this is a thing that's you know got an issue is an issue for you um the the thing with um being on your phone at night which is often what people say well you know i shouldn't they know not to be on their phone at night is actually to do more with um cognitive stimulation of your phone because your phone's associated with you know stress a lot of the time with emails and phone calls and things like that so just the nature of picking up your phone and scrolling through facebook is probably less to do with the light um but more to do with the cognitive stimulation of that yeah yeah okay so we don't need to go looking like Elton John just yet. <laughs> Not yet, but if anyone <laughs> wants to, please send me a photo. <laughs> I've always wondered about them. I've always wondered, are they actually beneficial for you or is it just a fad? They, yeah, they did do a research study where they found that it was beneficial. Um, so there's definitely some element there, but I think the research is just too limited at the moment to say. Very early. Yeah. yeah. Does it come back to then just trying it yourself and seeing what you, you think? Or does it come back to getting a better routine, switching off the telly, cutting yourself off from your phone and actually preparing for sleep? I, I tend to find that if you, if you set yourself up in a, in a routine and um, work on some of the things that, you know, maybe are bad habits that we all have, but no one wants to admit, um, then that, ten, that tends to work. So for example, if you've got a problem with in, insomnia, which is probably falling asleep, staying asleep, um, routine and and pattern there is is crucial uh, that's the first thing to go to rather than you know whale noises and um, blue lights glasses and things like that good and and what's the um 
what's the science behind exercise then? Yeah, so that plays into um, your hormone levels during the day. And, you know, as I keep talking about the circadian rhythm, you know, going on throughout the day. So there's two main processes in sleep. One is your circadian rhythm and the other is um, your homeostatic drive, which is essentially your need to sleep. And um, anything you do, for example, exercise affects those. So um, exercise is good because it heightens you know certain neurotransmitters during the day and like we talked about with depression and things like that um and then it also um you know helps your body prepare afterwards helps your body prepare for for sleep so there's certain times of the day where exercise can be beneficial um if you um if you're a bit of a night owl going against what you want um want to do which is exercise later on during the day you're better doing that earlier in the day because that will um, increase your core body temperature um, and the optimal sleep your core body temperature needs to drop so you kind of want to start planting these things throughout the day that are going to you know get you into a place in the evening where your body temperature is ready for sleep you know all, all of these your hormones have, have kind of raised at certain points and dropped so it's um certainly exercising earlier on in the day is better particularly if you're going to do very vigorous exercise and really raise your heart rate um although in the afternoon cardiovascularly you're optimal in the afternoon and things like that so i tend to say to people if that is going to if you think that's affecting your sleep because some people exercise a lot and then get very stimulated and can't go to sleep probably look at five as a bit of a cutoff for that and then start, you know, allowing your body to prepare for sleep in the evening. Um, yoga and things are very good for the parasympathetic, uh, parasympathetic nervous system. Sorry, I'm always <laughs> stumbling over. <laughs> <laughs> Big word. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's good. And um, so if you you want something that's relaxing, pick those sorts of ex- types of exercise. Okay. Um, cool. We, we have a, a lot of members that have young kids and actually our coach, Kevin, has a, a, a new baby and their sleep patterns are all over the shop because the baby's waking up in the middle of the night. Would you have any yeah. tips for things like that? Yeah, um, yeah, it's a tough one. I always joke, I don't have any more kids. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's tough because if, if you're on sort of your first first baby then you know everyone always says to you sleep when the baby's sleeping but you know that's fine until you have another child that's you know older running around and the baby the next baby and things like that so i think um it's tough but i would say that the more um less broken sleep you can achieve so for example even getting you know um three four hours block of sleep in is is beneficial that's going to be beneficial for you um so even though you're not getting that solid night's sleep that you want, um, it's still important to give your body the sleep that it needs. So um, what I say to people is sort of try and time the whole family um, as best you can. And, and, you know, babies, less compliant, but um, to a certain extent, there are behavioral things that you can do do with um, children, um, you know, like scheduling downtime and things like that with them to, to see if you can get a bit of a, a, bit of a break. Um, but it, it is tough and that, you know, I think that's a very individual thing for every family. So yeah. if I do offer advice for families, it's looking at what's going on, the age of the baby, the age of the other children, what's your partner doing. Um, so unfortunately there's no magic wand fix for that. Yeah. It's not um, one size fits all. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's certainly things to consider like still eating well, exercising, that's all going to help you sleep when you need to sleep. Um, a lot of people find that they're stimulated when they want to sleep, but it's everything that we've just discussed about training your body, sleep yeah. when you want to sleep and be awake when you want to be awake. So, cool. Something you have to actively look to get better at and take into account all these other different factors that might um, cause poor sleep or. Yeah, exactly. It's not just a nighttime thing. It's it's a you know during the day the decisions that you make during the day will impact how you sleep at night. Okay. What about the likes of kind of carbs, eating carbs late at night and, and just eating in general? Is there anything that you should avoid or is there anything that you could do to help? 
Yeah, there's some foods that are recommended that um, aid good sleep. So foods that contain magnesium, for example, magnesium is proven to, to help with sleep quality. Um, there's also um, B, B6 vitamin as well helps. Um, so anything that contains that. Um, in terms of uh, carbohydrates, it's sort of, it varies for some people, um, like um, some people that have quite a fast metabolism and having complex carbs just before they go to bed is kind of essential for them. Otherwise they tend to wake up in the night hungry. Um, so um, again, you know your body best, you know what your body best responds to. So um, yeah, there are certainly, you know, foods that can help and I can send a link to you afterwards to send to your members of a list of, cool. you know, um, things, foods Perfect, and things yeah. like that. Perfect. We got a lot of um, shift workers and their sleep is all over the shop. Um, what's, what would be some best advice for that? Yeah, so um, again, shift work is one of these things that's, that's quite individual, but there are some tips. Um, um, unfortunately, the tip that people don't want to hear is sort of try and keep your schedule on your off days similar to your on days because okay. what you what a lot of people try and do is if they are working sort of five days um on and, and two days off they try and flip their sleep pattern back to social norms so to sleep at night for a certain amount of time and it works just the same as jet lag um, your body your circadian rhythm just can't change that fast it takes a few days to get used to everything so what they do recommend is that you try and um sort of limit how much you change your um, pattern and I know that that's not ideal for example if you've got a family you don't want to be you know asleep all day and awake all night um, but what you can do is sort of look at maybe timing so um, you're not doing a complete flip you know you're kind of looking at um, well I'm going to sleep for this amount of time in the morning and then wake up and then you know um, so it will make it easier as well to switch back to your shift pattern um, some other things that you can do is try try and get to sleep as soon as possible after your shift um which means as much as you you know like caffeinating during your shift to keep you awake yeah. um, it's kind of stopping doing that you know again three four hours before you you want to get get home and get to sleep and um, making sure you don't eat a lot of food after your shift and, and then go home and try and sleep and um, you can also do things like try and take a nap before your shift that's one of the times when naps can okay. be useful <laughs> um and um yeah just keep your room dark cool you know all these things that will aid your body to think it's sleep time now okay what about kind of nutrition for these people that are on shift workers because we'd always try and say like obviously you're you're completely moving your circadian rhythm and it's you're switching your night to daytime and your body's not really used to that is there anything or how, how could they manage their um, nutrition? Because some people won't need to eat. They might stop eating at 11, 12 or whatever it is and then graze or work their way through. Is there any science behind what they could? Could you lean anything, any help for them, guys? Yeah, I think, um, I think the list that I send you of, of foods to eat that help you sleep, they can be quite helpful. I think um, if you're going to eat a larger meal that's going to you know digestion is going to require um like heavy carbohydrates or things like that try and do that as soon as you wake up and you know you're going to be awake for a certain amount of time so it's sort of just timing the when you're awake um to um you know if you're going to do some exercise do that at the beginning of whatever period of time that you're going to be awake so then again everything sort of spikes and then drops um for okay. when you do need to sleep so yeah, and um, I can, like I say, I can send you a nice diagram that shows you an ideal circadian rhythm and you can kind of look at things that might affect it throughout the okay. day. So I'm just thinking that if we had someone who started work at 8 p.m. and finished at 8 a.m., they yeah. would need to get their exercise in before they go to work and then fuel themselves with a big carbohydrate meal, obviously protein, veg and all that stuff in there as well, and then kind of ease off throughout the night. Yeah, that's what I would say um, is sort of, you know, prepare yourself for the fact it's kind of like if you were just to wake up. So as soon as you wake up during that day to prepare for a night shift, wake up like you, you know, ideally you'd have a big breakfast. Um, you might do your exercise. So kind of treat it the same thing, the same yeah. way. Um, but then be aware that on these days that you're not doing the shift work, your body's going to crave 
that pattern um you know similar to to when you have jet lag and you know if you travel long distances you always want um to eat at strange times <laughs> as soon as you go <laughs> so that, you know your body will kind of do the same thing but that's not that's not a bad thing if you can work it into your your life around that what's the best way to get over jet lag now that you're talking about it <laughs> is it just sleep or is it just drink yourself into <laughs> <laughs> drink yourself in. um so for example if you um need to switch you know if you've traveled from here to the states or something and um, which people often do it's it's sort of um and you, there's about you know five hour time difference um so one of the ways that you can do it is if you sleep through go to bed at the right time sleep through the night but make sure you, again you wake up at the right time caffeinate yourself <laughs> <laughs> stay awake because your downfall will be if you then start napping so okay. um stay awake for as long as you can to reset yourself back into the time zone that you're in um now the first time you do it you might fall asleep a bit earlier or wake up a bit later but essentially you want to um sort of stay awake for longer periods of time to build up that sleep need so um when i talked before about the homeostatic drive it, that's like your need to sleep and if the longer i keep you awake the more you're going to want to sleep so essentially with jet lag, it's, it's transitioning onto the other time period um, as fast as you can through whatever means you can. Although, you know, stick to like NHS guidelines of caffeine intake and things like that. <laughs> don't, don't go wild. Um, and then, yeah, so, so things like that, that's, you know, really important. And then if you do have to nap, um, so for example, if you're coming, you know, back and you need to shift your time um, and you've been awake all night, you know you can sleep for example six till 12 but i would say around lunchtime you want to be getting up making sure you're awake because then that will set you off for going to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and resetting again cool yeah um one of our team has asked what is sleep hygiene and any tips on how to develop a good sleep routine yeah so sleep hygiene is is this umbrella term for um good practices at, at you know for your sleep so it's it's things that we've already spoken about it's you know making sure if you need a bedtime routine for relaxation that you do that getting to bed at a similar time each night and waking up at the same time every morning and um, not napping um looking at factors that might influence your sleep during the day um so it's all of those sorts of things that you can do um and yeah starting with what we've spoken about would be a good start cool um, another one of the guys says, some days I feel so tired that I need to close my eyes. I know I can have migraine attacks during the day and need to sleep for two or three hours to feel better. Any idea why I feel like I need more sleep? Mm, that's interesting. So there's, there is a relationship between headaches and sleep. Um, and there's different types of headaches that can relate to your sleep. So um, if you are, I mean, I'm assuming by saying that they need more sleep overall they're still sleeping through the night and then just having this extra time during the day um if that's sort of an individual factor i i would say that it could be you know it could be related to the migraines it could be related to, to other functions of sleep but sleep is obviously doing something for them that their body needs um the only time i would say go and tell your gp is if you're um like falling asleep like dozing off um so you know if you're frequently dozing off in front of the tv or as soon as you sit down you're falling asleep that's when um i would always say go go to your gp and flag that and just say you know can, can you just you know check that physically there's no reason for me doing that okay cool savage um paul have you got anything you want to add there on uh, sleep? just how do you feel about those sleeping teas you know the what's it called the chamomile or things like that do they do they work or is it all marketing or is it um, um well chamomile is, is relaxing so if, if you're um an anxious person and you need some time to relax then um you know yes anything that works for you to, to relax you they're also non-caffeine related so um you know it's better than having like a, a pg tips or something um, <laughs> like just before you go to sleep um so i think any any sort of herbal tea has that benefit um it's very individual like i say again you know i know people that are very reliant on things that they believe make them sleep but the you know i couldn't 
find you a research paper that supports that but it might be that just nobody's researched it yet so yeah. um if you have a routine that works for you and it's not impacting your sleep then stick with it if you're looking to make some changes and improve your sleep then you know there's things that you can look at like swapping out tea for you know chamomile tea and things like that and would there be any like say best position to sleep in or pillow how many pillows you should be using or things like that yeah, so I do some research on this um, for my for my own personal benefit, yeah. really. At one point, um, there are sleeping. Um, there are sort of various things that went around, like sleeping on your right hand side aids digestion and things like that. Um, it depends. Again, it's a very personal thing, and especially if you've got like injuries or something, you're not yeah. going to want to sleep. Like pain can wake you up in the night, so. I think the best position is the best position for you. A lot okay. of people with um, apnea and breathing disorders sleep on their back because if they sleep on the side, um, that can impact their breathing more. Um, so yeah, it's there's no real best position to sleep in. Um, but in terms of pillows and mattresses, obviously something that doesn't hurt your back mattress wise yeah. is going to be good. Um, I did look up that they, they recommended that the optimal pillow was like 50% duck feather and 50% <laughs> like <good stuff. laughs> um, and they're really hard to find but I think anything that supports supports your neck um, you know that the main thing is that you want your bed to be a luxury like a luxurious yeah. nice space for you you know like and I say to people only use your bed for sleeping and having sex that's the rule yeah. like don't <laughs> use it for anything else yeah. um, you want to walk into your bedroom and just feel like this you know wave of relaxation and I have people tell me that like their bed is this horrible place they hate the bedroom and they they walk into the bedroom and they just don't want to sleep and yeah. if you feel like that then again my question would always be can you sleep elsewhere like can you okay, sleep yeah. in someone else's do you sleep on your sofa and then you need to start looking is is this your bedroom actually not this place that your body wants to sleep because you can learn these things your body can okay. condition itself cool so, creating the right environment is obviously very important yes yeah right environment and that you know a lot of people talk about like blackout blinds and things like that and um, they can be really helpful for example if you're doing shift work because we haven't really spoken about melatonin, but melatonin's a hormone um, that your body releases to prepare yourself to sleep. So it reacts to light. So as um, as you know, less light you know happens during the day, your melatonin increases because it's kind of like it's getting ready to go to sleep. Um, so that's why things like blackout blinds could be helpful if you're trying to get your body to sleep at certain times that the light might impact that. Um, but generally we say a cool dark room because again your body's not very good at regulating its um, body temperature um, at some points in the night when you're sleeping through some different phases of sleep so it's really helpful to, to have um, a cooler room and if you do get cold blankets and things like that are better than having a really hot room okay cool savage you got anything else P? any other questions that you had you that's saying? good that's good I really want to get on to the, um, I'm noticing the time as well here and it's bloody flying. But anyway, <laughs> um, I want to get on to the mental health side of things because I'd be, when all this lockdown, COVID-19 all started, it was one of the first thoughts that we had was like, how are people's mental health going to be affected by this? Have you seen an uh, like upsurge in people wanting to like, do you help with that kind of stuff as well? Yeah, so um, that's something that we're all really concerned about. And um, when I have my other hat on, I, um, I'm at UCL, um, University College London, um, researching. So I do a lot of research on sleep and mental health. So um, it's something that we are really concerned about. I think um, managing your mental health in your sleep at this time is going to be really important to coming out of this at the other end and it's really difficult because i've heard so many people say that supports have been taken away from them you know um they're not comfortable with online provision of, of things like it's very difficult to adapt and um in terms of you know maintaining your mental health as best you can if you know that you're already experiencing a mental health problem from before covid started like anxiety or you had a trauma or you're triggered by loss these feelings of uncertainty loneliness um all these things that we're all feeling they're going to be you know worsened essentially by the situation so i think an awareness of that and that is really important for people and then 
finding right support. So if, if you're feeling lonely, what can you do to find, you know, to, to find support for yourself? Um, and it, yeah, it's sort of, you know, talking about resilience, resilience is never more important than now. It's sort of yeah. coming out of this, um, you know, reasonably well at the end. Um, yeah, I, I would just say, and self-care for people, that's the main thing at this time is, is particularly if you're a caregiver, it's really easy to forget about yourself, but you're not, you know, your, your well-being and your mental health isn't going to be the best it can be as a caregiver if you're not looking after yourself first and foremost. Mm. So Absolutely. it's really important to grab those times that you can have by yourself to go for walks, to relax, have a bath, whatever you need to do just to get those little nuggets of time for yourself is really important. Okay, so being present with yourself is one of the big things. Do you do lots on meditation or...? Yeah, so meditation and relaxation is part of, um, you know, um, for example, in, in the sleep treatment, if people are struggling with re relaxation, there's relaxation te techniques we can do. Um, I think there's obviously guided apps um, that are some people find are very beneficial. So I would recommend looking at like Calm and things like that um, for breathing. Um, breathing automatically reduces your anxiety. So um, learning to breathe and, you know, if you can't get away, I know lots of people have got their kids around at the moment and, you know, I've seen lots of things about going to the toilet and having like the dog and two children stood outside the door. Like, <laughs> but, like you know, I, we all know that feeling, but, you know, if, <clears throat> even if taking that time to just do some breathing that takes 30 seconds will help reset. So I think it's just, like you say, it's that awareness and presence, that mindfulness of, of you know, what is happening around now. Am I feeling okay? Do I need to just accept that I'm not going to get that much work done today um you know and I think people find that really frustrating at the moment they're trying to work mm -hmm. and do everything else and it's you know that was me so yesterday. Easy on yourself. Was, yeah yesterday 100% I had a three-year-old pulling at me I had his grandparents pulling at me <laughs> loads of work to do. it's tough it's tough yeah and I think you know some days you just have to you know acceptance is such a big word isn't it that you just have to accept that you can't do it but it is really something to be aware of of just going okay i just can't you know what is realistic set realistic goals for yourself um you know don't set the same goals that you would have if you were in work and just left alone for the whole day you know just look at being like right what are two three things that i would like to get done today and then be you know pleased and reward yourself little wins yeah yeah be proud you know guys to get yeah three wins for the day yeah exactly and i think you know don't forget that that's still a good thing that you've done you know it's it's tough and i think that's something really important to be aware of at this time and we're hardest yeah. on ourselves aren't we yeah absolutely yeah we're our own worst critics so <laughs> yeah um i think being aware of that's really important is there an optimal time for meditation like is there a certain amount of time we have to do it for i know breathing is going to help with anxiety and all that but is there any studies to say okay you need to at least get this every single day um I think it depends on, um, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, I'd have to go look look up, okay. um, but I think um, it's important, I don't think there's a, an optimal time of the day to do it, I think it's, you know, if you, when, if and when you can do it, it's particular this Is time. there an optimal length? I think it depends how progressed you are in your mindfulness practice. Okay. So I think to start off with, they certainly start with just a couple of minutes, two, three minutes. And then mm. the, the more advanced you become at practicing mindfulness, the longer periods of time you can do it for. Yeah. People who, who we speak to about meditation, they find it really difficult that when they start to be still and start to be quiet, that their mind is like, you got yeah. tips on like how you can work through that and get, get better for us it's for me i suppose it's practice if you keep practicing and keep like getting more aware of what you're thinking because you can't stop your thinking it's no i think it's interesting because one thing to um when that happens is that that's normal for your mind to race and just being aware of that is actually part of mindfulness you know yeah. you're aware that your mind is racing and, and not trying to fight it, but also then refocusing on your breathing or refocusing on other things around you. Um, I think that's really important. And like I say, practice as time goes on, you'll, you, you know, that's part of the learning of yeah, mindfulness, isn't time. it? 
um, is to learn how to change that focus. Um, but I think to begin with, you know, if you've just downloaded an app or just started reading a mindfulness book, that's, you know, very, very common. Yeah, that yeah. happened to me at the beginning. I was, I hated it. I got frustrated. And just the more I practiced it, I just started getting into it then. Yeah, if you're free, and that's the thing, you don't want to feel frustrated <laughs> at doing it. You know, you want to, but it's so easy, isn't it? Because yeah. you're kind of like, oh, I just can't shut my mind off. But <laughs> I think just having that awareness that you just, just remind yourself this is normal. This is, you know, I'm, this is something for me to long term to work on. I think most of the programs are six, at least six weeks before you even yeah. start to really. Absolutely you know, get into it. So something I was chatting about with my partner last night um, and something that I know a lot of the mums and in our group and, and the people listening to this will have some experience of, but it's like when, a, when you, you can notice that a family member is suffering from mental health and they're not really dealing with it. Um, it's very difficult to like, to get a response out of them or to get a reaction out of them. Is there any way like that you found or what's your thoughts around that? Yeah, it's really tough, isn't it? Because when you can see something and they not, you know, they're either not acknowledging it or accepting it. And I think, you know, to start off with, if you're going to notice other people, it, you're looking at behaviours like changes to mood, communication, uh, you know, their the habits. Yeah, exactly. That all those things will change. Um, what I one thing that I found that works is if you tend to message people because you know we're stuck at the moment really with phone calls or messaging at the moment um, and say how are you how are you doing are you feeling any better it doesn't really help them open up because if they sometimes they're aware of it but they don't know how to help themselves um, and so sometimes messaging about something different like something you have in common or a tv program or something um can get them talking to you so what then you can also then start to check that they're okay um and then you might be able to find a way to sort of say um did you know this is available you know if it's appropriate you can signpost them to like the mind charity samaritans um you know if if they are having you know issues with suicidal thoughts or things like that which some people are at this time mm. um you know then that's that you know that's always a good thing to do but I think um, the fact that you're watching them and being there for them is really important and letting them know that you're there. So just message saying, I'm here, call me when you can, uh, call me when you, you know, when you want to. Um, sometimes that's really helpful. Um, but again, make sure that you're, you're looking after yourself as well. Um, you know, if you're a natural caregiver, don't neglect mm -hmm. yourself at this time. Um, and it is, it's difficult to see someone um, having difficulties who won't, or, you know, aren't ready to find help. But I think help, you know, being there for them is a big thing and, and them knowing that, so. How much is their like attention and focus a, a factor in them feeling these feelings and, and their mental health suffering as a result? Um, do you mean attention focus in terms of mindfulness or just like um, what they are actually focusing on so like often it can be like it, that they that they own the feeling that i'm depressed kind of thing How, is it important to try and switch their attention to passions or happy things or like just i'm, I'm thinking about a, a teenager who might be going through a difficult time who might not be open to discussion who's feeling like they're going deeper down into a hole like is it important to get their attention focused on things that they love and things that they're that make them feel better or yeah i think if you know somebody um like for example um you know that they enjoy doing a certain exercise or something you can invite them to do that with with you um and you know kind of encourage them that way to you know if you one thing with depression is a lot of people stop exercising and if you see that behavior change it might be important rather than saying to them you need to do this you need to you know when you're feeling like that you need to isn't helpful because they kind of yeah. know they need no. to but they just can't do it so um you know maybe saying to them let's just go out for 10 minutes or let's just walk here or let's just do that kind of you know being there with them and, and supporting them is i think is, is a good way of doing that um yeah teenagers it's hard at this time and um i've had a lot of discussions with parents going my teenager's sleeping in 
so much. Um, and that's not necessarily a sign of depression in teenagers because they honestly, legitimately, there is lots of evidence to show that their circadian rhythm is different. So they, they actually naturally will sleep in given the chance. Um, it's really hard for them to wake up. There's been lots of research on like changing school start times and things like that, but, um, but still getting them into a routine of getting up and getting out. Um, it might not be as early as you want, but, um, or as early as you get up, but you know, helping them with it rather than telling them off um, <laughs> yeah. if you can is helpful. Yeah, I think we've went through a, a, a lot of it, but um, some tips for people to look after their own mental health. I think we've covered it generally, but what are the key things that people need to be doing? I think um, being, being aware, so it, there's sort of a couple of things here. If you've had mental health problems previously and you know what things happen, like behavior changes happened in the lead up to that, that awareness and kind of, you know, you can even write them down and sort of say, right, if I get three of these things, <laughs> I need to take action. So, um, you know, I think that awareness is, is important. S seeking out the right support and, and knowing what that is for you, if that's contacting friends, if that's contacting family, if that's, you know, making more time in your day to um, have more you time rather than work time, then that's what you need at, the, at this time. I think at the moment people are just working probably more some people are working more than than they were previously so yeah. um you know and they've got so much else to juggle because there's family there's kids there's so much more pulling off them that it's just harder yeah and i would say you know the main thing is that gp services are still available and and you know so if you do feel that you need to um you know speak to somebody then then go down the normal the normal routes that you would um although like i say there are charities available to to support you um but i think yeah doing any you know the natural things that we can do to improve our mood um keeping a routine is so important for that yeah so important yeah anything else to add p that's unbelievable we got loads of uh unbelievable advice there liz it's all right. Hopefully that's helpful to some people. And, you know, feel free to email me if you want anything more specific on sleep um, related things. Excellent. Where can people get you, Liz? What's the best uh, way to get you? Yeah, if you go to um, my website, um, treatmysleep.co.uk, there's a contact form. You can also book consultations through there if, if you'd like. But also email me on liz at treatmysleep.co.uk um, and I'll get back to you as soon as you can. I, you know, I'm trying to provide as much help for people as possible at the moment. But, um, you know, it might take me a bit to get back to you. Have <laughs> <laughs> you got any Irish clients? Um, no, no, but yeah. I am I am on telehealth, so, you know... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, if anyone's yep. interested, then I'm more than happy. There will be, there will be. Um, we have 10 questions that we usually ask our <laughs> guests when they come on. Okay. <laughs> it's just to get you out of your comfort zone a little bit. <laughs> we haven't went over these, so pass or move on whenever you... Um, number one is your favorite exercise. Oh, I'm horse riding. I'm, oh, a, wow. I'm an avid horse rider for when I was little. So cool. <laughs> you have horses? No, no. no it's an expensive no. hobby. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing, aren't they? Easy one here. Least favorite exercise? Um, oh, probably running. But then I also do it. So <laughs> yeah. you're running around going, I fucking hate running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go to healthy dinner um chicken chicken something chicken based avocado <laughs> i don't really know <laughs> <laughs> go to takeaway or fake away oh chinese yeah um, chinese, chinese and sweet and sour chicken bowls i hold my hands up there, my <laughs> <weak spot. laughs> tips for isolation for people um just you know be kind to yourself really genuinely be kind to yourself and and look after you know look after yourself and you know we'll get through this yeah this don't be too hard on yourself yeah we are we're our own worst critics um movie or netflix recommendations i mean tiger king if you haven't seen it I was, oh my god I <laughs> it's it's outrageous <laughs> i don't know i'm, I'm not feeling tiger king i just feel wow. like i wasted six hours of my life with tiger king it's mad 
it's crazy it's great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, <laughs> uh book recommendations oh um Oh, that's interesting. I suppose I should recommend a sleep book, shouldn't I, really? <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be sleep, honestly. Anything that you've enjoyed? Um, do you know, I really like Shutter Island, the book. Oh, Island. Leon DiCaprio was in the movie, was he? Yeah, I yeah, read yeah, the book yeah. before the movie came out, and I, I loved it. It was a, a really interesting read. Um, so if you haven't seen the film... Ended. Yeah, if you haven't seen the film, the book's yeah. really good. I've seen and read neither, so I must get onto it. Favorite hobby Movie, not bad. outside horse race, horse riding. Pardon. Favorite Thanks. hobby outside horse riding. Oh, um, oh well, I do a lot of um, singing. <laughs> not, oh. not that people want to hear me. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of links into the next one. So tell us something about yourself that we don't know. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I guess yeah. I sing a lot, and um, I have a a large dog that I walk a lot, which terrifies oh. people. But what you have? Um, a Bernese Mountain Dog. Oh, no way. <laughs> Our president has Bernese Mountain Dog. Oh, yeah, they're, they're great. But um, I always get told off for... Um, Huge. <laughs> yeah, she kind of lies on the sofa, takes up half an L-shaped pouch. Um, and this <laughs> is definitely my fault. Like, <laughs> I definitely allow too much. Spoiled. No, I think Michael D is a Bernese Mountain Dog, doesn't he, P? Uh, he is a big dog. That's all I know. He's <laughs> bigger than him, anyways. But that wouldn't be too hard. No. <laughs> Have you seen our president? No, no. Please He's send like five foot four. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're big dogs. The Bernese kind of attach to one person in the family, don't they? And they're like, is that right? No, they're like yeah, oil and. They can do. We have an interesting dynamic uh, with with her that um, we can't work out whether she thinks that I'm like her puppy or her best friend or something. But she definitely <laughs> um, like she tries to sit on my knee a lot, and like it's just nuts because she's huge. And she, yeah, if I go outside, she's always with me. She's yeah, she's she's funny, but I'm not the leader. What's I'm not the pack leader. <laughs> What's her name? Bonnie. Bonnie, uh, we, we love dogs. Paul and I both have dogs. Last yeah. question, and you can pass on this one. Tell us a bad joke. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I might have to pass on that one. I'm <laughs> we just like seeing how uncomfortable that question is. I, I actually, no, okay, I do have a really, and you can thank my dad for this one, but what do you call a deer with no eyes? What? No idea. <laughs> it's a classic a classic listen that's been amazing thank you so much for your time um treatmysleep.co.uk is your website yeah. instagram facebook twitter yeah on. we're on we're on facebook um i'm on twitter you can find me um where i sort of retweet sleep things as well it's not under treat my sleep that's under my my name yeah. um so yeah it just find me and, and like i say you know do get in contact um if you want any more information absolute legend thank you so much for your time we thanks really a million liz oh thank you great chatting to you i hope that helps yeah no i know <laughs> big I time get so much from that it's been it's i'll be been sleeping been like fun. a baby now <laughs> <laughs> perfect <laughs> thanks, liz. all right thank you thanks liz see you soon bye bye, bye.